Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt, and today we're talking about a second round for the Minnesota Vikings in the postseason. I'm as shocked as you are. Uh, Minnesota Vikings came away with a 26-20 victory over the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome, um, shocking the world to a degree. I, I didn't see any analysts pick the Vikings, well, experts, whatever you want to call them, the guys on TV. I didn't see anyone taking the Vikings. Vikings end up coming out with the victory. So we've got a whole week of talking about um, you know, the excitement of this past matchup, and of course, uh, moving forward, uh, we'll break down the 49ers matchup on Saturday. So, uh, let's just get right into it here, and I'll give you your <laughs> recap that you don't need real quick. Uh, you may want to relive it, I suppose, given that this was a, another extremely fun matchup between the Vikings and the Saints. Uh, first quarter started off not awesome. Uh, you got a fumble on the opening drive by Adam Thielen. I think a lot of Vikings fans at that point were ready to kind of mail this one in. Yeah. Um, Will, But then the defense held strong. Will Lutz does get a 29-yard field goal. Ma- uh, Dan Bailey matches him later in the first quarter. Uh, after that, it's kind of swung back into the Saints' direction. Um, Alvin Kamara cappled, uh, capped off a drive uh, to give the Saints a 10-3 to lead. Dan that, Bailey... That was the Taysom Hill drive. Right. Yeah, the the carry for 13 or something yards and the throw for 50 yards. And uh, that kind (laughs) of, he was almost better than Drew Brees today or yesterday. Right. Uh, Dan Bailey hits another field goal. Then the big interception by Anthony Harris, which may have turned the tide of the entire game. I'm sure we'll dive deeper into that in a few moments here. Dalvin Cook finishes that run, uh, that drive after a great pass to Thielen with a five-yard touchdown. The Vikings go into half, leading 13-10. to 10. All of us are feeling pretty good, but at the same time, kind of, I imagine many of you felt the same way as I. Um, when it was, you know, when's everything going to fall to pieces? When are the Vikings mm-hmm. going to blow this one? Uh, they didn't, ultimately. Uh, Dalvin Cook gets, a, gets another touchdown on a kind of a questionable uh call review situation there in the third quarter. Uh, so the Vikings have a two-score lead. Taysom Hill, again, this time uh, on the on the receiving end of a Drew Brees touchdown pass. Will Lutz hits a 49-yarder as time expires, and we go to overtime. Vikings win the toss. I, was it Everson Griffin that called heads, I believe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kirk Cousins leads the Vikings down the field with an uh, unbelievable pass and unbelievable catch to Adam Thielen. And finishes off with a fade to Kyle Rudolph in the left corner of the end zone, and that's all she wrote. So, overall, uh, you know, breaking it down in about two minutes, there, just saying exactly what happened. It may not sound as nerve-wracking or as thrilling as it was, but this was, you know, this was par for the course for the Vikings and Saints the last few times they've met in the postseason, and ultimately it came down to Kirk Cousins making the big play that no one thought that he could make. Yeah, that's the. I mean, obviously, that's the big takeaway from our perspective, uh, from the Vikings fan perspective, is Kirk Cousins did the thing. He made the big throw under pressure, and I mean, to that point, he wasn't having like a spectacular game. It wasn't a bad game per se. Um, I thought <clears throat> I noticed that a lot of the uh, like inter- post game interviews, like with Vikings players, were saying that you know the Saints basically played defense to not give up the big play to digs and so it seemed like there's a lot of frustration about there's no deep shots no uh, aggressiveness down the field but it seemed like they were calling the play it's just that the saints were on top of it and so he was forced to look elsewhere that's kind of where Thielen came into the equation quite a bit some of those underneath routes uh 
kind of those 10 to 15 yard intermediate throws as well. And Kirk was excelled on those for sure, was very accurate throughout the game. And uh, especially when he got time, which the offensive line protected really well. And he was able to make the throw. And obviously the big one to feel in an overtime to set up the touchdown was the best throw of his career without a doubt. It was an absolutely Absolutely. perfect throw. Dropped right in the bucket. Good catch by Thielen, too, to kind of track that um, Willie Mays style. And then uh, obviously the the throw to Rudolph there. Maybe OPI, maybe not. Probably was. We're not going to get into that too much. Um, But... uh, over, I mean, at the end of the day, when you have when you're putting a five ten DB on six six Kyle Rudolph uh, in single coverage, you're probably getting, setting yourself up to be exposed there, and the Vikings are able to to do that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think this completely eliminates any narrative. At least it won't for the the haters. Uh, but it does speak to the fact that Kirk can and does have the ability and the mental state and the clutch gene, if you will, in him somewhere. And you threw it out there for everybody to see on national TV in a big spot. Uh, so that's huge moving forward for the franchise, but obviously for this season in particular, uh, you got to get that win. And now they have another tough test coming up this week. Yeah. So Kirk cousins played, he play he, it's funny because you look at the stat sheet after the game and it, it honestly makes him look like he was he had a bigger game than he actually did in my in my opinion because I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. I didn't think like up until that drive he was just fine. He was getting the job done um, and he was completing passes with regularity, but he was not by no means throwing the ball over the field to wherever he wanted and you mm-hmm. know giving the Vikings an offensive attack that was you know comparable to some of his best games in the season. It it wasn't like that for most of this game for Cousins. It's just when they ultimately, when it mattered the most, he came up with two tremendous throws. But for the most part, this game was him completing, like he said, those intermediate passes just to kind of keep things moving. His his percentage on third down, by the way, uh, they threw up the graphic right after the game. I can't remember what it was, but um, he was outstanding, you know, and especially in comparison to the Saints, who really struggled on third down. So mm-hmm. when Kirk Cousins was dropping back to pass on third down, uh, he was he was basically perspiring conf- confidence. He's completing all these passes. He made the big one to Diggs that kind of gets overlooked in overtime. The Vikings were third yeah, the third down one. Yeah, they were third and one in that situation. Uh, Kevin Stefanski ultimately called for a dr- for Cousins to drop back and throw it. You know, I think a lot of Vikings fans were expecting Dalvin Cook to get the ball there and probably would have felt more comfortable with him there. Uh, but you get the ball in Diggs' hand, that's a big completion that keeps the drive alive. And then you see the, the Adam Thielen throw downfield, which is going to get the, you know, rightfully is going to get the headlines. And like you said, probably the biggest throw he's ever made in his career. So as a whole, you know, first like first quarter through fourth quarter, it was he was fine. He was sufficient. He was a very solid quarterback. He did not turn the ball over, mm-hmm. which was huge. Um, and he was he was basically he was hitting those short routes. But there was no big play basically until the end of the game. So yeah. he's he, – There was the one where he got hit off the free – someone someone on the Saints. I think it was Mario Davis actually. 55, had a free run, yeah. Um, on the blitz. And Thielen got past Lattimore, who, by the way, Lattimore was exposed <laughs> throughout this game. I think he – I saw – He's hot on the sideline. Uh, I think it was too. Luke Braun who uh, tweeted the stat just now that in five targets, Lattimore gave up five receptions for 77 yards and five first downs. So he uh, best. was not living up to his status, so to speak, as a top flight corner in the NFL. Uh, Xavier Rhodes definitely outplayed him if we're going to do cornerback matchups. <laughs> but um, the, I mean, yeah, like you said, Kirk was hitting the throws that he usually hits. Uh, when he was under pressure, I mean, there's a couple times where the pocket collapsed and he was kind of a statue. That's kind of what we're used to. But when he had time to throw and he was able to kind of go through his reads, he was he was dissecting the Saints as we would expect him to. So it was, you know, a lot better than I expected. You know, I, I, I was kind of going in with the belief that he might – uh, you know, under the bright lights, under the national TV exposure, under the, the big game pressure, might melt down a little bit. And it looked like that for probably a quarter and a half just because of the fumble and the way things started out there. Right. But uh, the Vikings offense picked it up. Dalvin had a, a slew of kind of what they'd call explosive runs in this game, like 10 plus right. yard runs. And that's which why. Was really nice as well. And Madison, I think, had a couple too. So that that's really kind of why I felt it was well. like a. Yeah. I felt this was more of like a Dalvin game as opposed to a Kirk game up until that final drive. Yeah. Because right. Cook was basically the catalyst on all of the, the scoring drives for the Vikings. Yeah. Just being able to get, you know, run downhill on first or second down uh, and get you five, six, seven. You know, he did have a couple of them that were over 10 as well. 
Uh, he put the Vikings in a great position throughout the game. It <laughs> he did, he we kind of. I was uncomfortable with the two runs in the red zone. I mean, that was certainly disappointing to see him get stonewalled there. Yeah. Generally, I'm, I've gotten used to when Dalvin Cook gets the ball from basically inside the three that it's going to find its way into the end zone somehow. So that was certainly disappointing, and I think we'd be talking about that quite a lot more if the ensuing pass to Rudolph wasn't complete for a touchdown. Um, but overall, I mean, you have to be very, very happy with Kirk Cousins, and you should be happy for him too. Because this is yeah. a moment that he – this is the, the first thing that came into my mind is this is a moment that this guy deserves more than anyone, period. Like, he gets so much criticism, and he acts like he doesn't hear it. He says it doesn't bother him. But as just a human being, if you have so many people criticizing you, like, you can't tell me it doesn't affect you a little bit. It has to bother you. Mike Zimmer even said with Deion Sanders that it bothers him. Yeah. If it, if Mike Zimmer is bothered by the outside world, I promise you Kirk Cousins is too. So this is the ultimate shut everybody up moment in the ultimate game against the perfect team in a situation where you're expected to lose. And not not just that, you're not just expected to lose. Most of these guys are saying you're going to lose by 17 to 20. I mm-hmm. was one of them. I was there. Like this was this was the perfect moment. This is the apex of a career for a guy who has been considered nothing but average throughout his entire professional career. And maybe, you know, it starts with being a fourth-round pick, and he has this huge moment in the game where, you know, the Vikings, again, they were not maybe we weren't expected to be in this position in the first place, but they certainly were not expected to win this football game. No one gave him a chance, myself right. included, Drew included. Oh, I didn't. I many didn't of you guys listening, too. I think a comes, lot of people, even if they were kind of on the fence, then you saw Hughes and Alexander go down for Exactly, that's where I game. was. That's yeah. that was kind of the, the dagger, so to speak. Like, all right, well, if the Vikings are already weak in the secondary, now you got two probably. I mean, you could argue that they are the best performing corners during the season. They go down, Fair and then you're faced with you know the uh, most prolific pass catcher of all time, Michael Thomas. You're supposed to defend him without and two potentially of your best corners on and, top of the most prolific passer of all yeah. time and one of the best pass you know in term offensive mind in terms of vertical attacking schemes ever. That threesome yeah. against Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayne's coming into the – I mean, this isn't even about – that part's not even about yeah. Kirk Cousins. But did you really – I just didn't see any of this – I didn't see the him being in this position, period. But the fact that he was able to come through – I mean, that's a 76-yard drive yeah. in overtime, a must-win, sudden-death situation. Everyone is watching. And if you weren't watching to start the game, you're now watching the game at the end of it because it's become you know, a moment in sports this weekend. And Kirk excelled. The, the yeah, only I mean, failure. It, it, how much of that game in the fourth quarter felt like, uh, how are the Vikings going to lose this game? You know, exactly. They, yes. They give up the touchdown to Taysom Hill, and then when it came to trying to hold the Saints to, you know, a field goal or even less in that last drive there, well, they got so the Vikings forced that fumble, which was huge. I think with like four minutes left right. from Breeze. Then um, the Vikings were they punted it back, and it became you know, that super conservative soft defense where the Saints kind of had any underneath path they wanted. He got it down to field goal range. Lutz made the field goal. And from there, it just felt like the Vikings had no momentum at all, and the Saints were going to find a way to win that game. And then, you know, that's a statement touchdown drive right there with the, the statement throw from, from Kirk to Thielen. And uh, the, that was kind of the one time in the game, really, that the Saints, you know, allowed that deep shot to happen. Because I think on that play, if you look at it, both Thielen and Diggs are running kind of like that deep, that deep kind of in cut to out deep route, and uh, the safety was shadowed just Diggs a little bit, you know, I, I, which should be the instinct given the way he's kind of used and his deep playmaking ability all season. So they shadowed over there, and Kirk noticed that and threw it to Thielen, and Thielen had to step on Robinson, and uh, so that that drive to me is a huge statement drive in terms of like, like now as a fan. I'm, I'm not – if the team does wilt away 10 points in the fourth quarter, you know, and it goes to overtime, like I have a different attitude towards the, the overtime period yeah, now. you've seen it now. We've I've seen, seen it now. Everything yeah. that we thought – I'm going to phrase this very carefully. Everything that we thought that Cousins had the potential to do, he did against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Everything that his, you know, his, uh, his talent, like his arm talent, his physical stature and ability, his cerebral – part of the game, all the things that we can combine together and say, this is a pretty good quarterback, all showed up in the right moment for the first time in his entire career. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. And we, we should note, too, that Dalvin was pretty much stuffed the entire second half. Yeah. I think he had, like, 85 yards on 15 carries in the first half. Like, pretty efficient running the ball. Right. A lot of those explosive plays were uh, in that first half. And then he was essentially shut down in the second half. And so, really, a lot of the offense, if not all of it, uh, that was put together in the second half. Besides, I think there was one really good carry by Dalvin overtime for, like, 12 yards for a first down. But uh, besides that, a lot of the offense, a lot of the big third down conversions were all Kirk making throws. And and we're not even talking about the defense yet because Mike Zimmer had maybe his best right. game as well in terms of the coaching, the game plan. And then because uh, one thing I really want to bring up is the use of Hunter and Griffin inside For sure. against the Saints offensive line. And that really flustered them quite a bit. And it forced – I mean it allowed the Vikings to attack the weak spot of that pass protection unit and Drew Brees was flustered the entire game too. So between Kirk playing, you know, a very good game given the circumstances, given the the noise, and then also Zimmer having a phenomenal game, which I, I mean, we, we talked about this on the pregame show. Like Zimmer's had Peyton's number, Brees' number in right. the past. Um, so we kind of knew that, but this was a new wrinkle that he had to come up with this week and the Vikings executed it flawlessly and it produced the results that they were expecting. And this is all, you know, all things considered, you know, you think about the fact that BC Johnson also had a major drop in this game that would have resulted in a first down and would have extended a drive. Thielen had a big drop too, actually. Thielen did um, as well. And then the, the big the one deep, in the, the deep crosser over the middle, which was like, that was one of those play action shots. that was kind of in the fourth quarter that um, I think they were going for kind of the dagger and Thielen was, I don't know, 25, 30 yards downfield, but he dropped the pass. Like there, there's, there's, there was more opportunities to be had there. If you want to, if you want to count the Highlands one in that yeah. folder as well, you can. Well, that was a big moment play. Had he caught yeah. that ball, I mean, he had two hands on it. So I think, I think it's fair to say that if well, you it's a perfect throw, but it was, it was catchable for sure. If you went up to Alexander Highlands after that game and said, "Hey, do you think you should have caught that ball?" He would have said yes because it hit him yeah. like square in also the hands. Also funny that that was the only snap he was on the field for, and he gets targeted on the most one of the most important plays of the game. Right. I mean, this game looks completely different if he hits that. Um, so again, I guess you can take. You could put a lot of these things into perspective too. Cousins did come over, you know, overcome uh, quite a few things in this game too. You mentioned the fact that Dalvin Cook wasn't too efficient in the second half. You mentioned we mentioned the drops already, and then just the noise. There was you see how many times throughout that game. And this is you know, uh, kudos to Saints fans. I mean, Kirk Cousins never walked on the field without his hands yeah, over his over helmet because yeah. you can't, you couldn't hear. You couldn't hear anything in that yeah, stadium. But that should be expected. That's, I mean, we, we know the Superdome. And, it's expected, and I guess, but at the same expected. time, you can't prepare for that. And this is a situation with, you know, Cousins, a guy that wrinkle that historically has just yeah. been a problem when pressure is bothering him and other. I think, uh, I think his high pitched uh, cadence. <laughs> you know, it's probably doing him some favors because it's, it's unique. And we could, I mean, I always think hear, his voice is hear crystal clear. We could hear it crystal clear on the broadcast. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times you watch like the Falcons in there or any other team or Jared Goff, I don't know, somebody else in like a big playoff game, play big divisional game. You don't hear the quarterback as clearly, but if you got a high pitched cadence like Kirk, maybe that, uh, maybe that's the advantage. Maybe it is. All right, let's talk about the defense then. Uh, you gave us a little prequel to this. So, uh, obviously, the defensive line was a lot of fun yesterday. Uh, I, I think that there will be plenty of time spent talking about that little variation that uh, Mike Zimmer decided to throw at Sean Payton um, in the way that he used Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. But you got to give you know big props to guys like Andrew Sandejo, who stepped up big in a nickel role where I, even us you know, on the pregame show, we thought it was going to be J-Ron Curse, and I – I don't know about you guys, but when I saw Sandeo lined up in the slot there, I was not thrilled about it. So uh, he mm-hmm. comes up with a big game defensively. Um, Anthony Harris, as I mentioned uh, previously, may have turned the tides of the entire game with that interception right before halftime that led to a Delvin Cook touchdown. Uh, he continues a phenomenal year and puts more money into his pocket this offseason. But maybe the biggest surprise was the way that Xavier Rhodes handled Michael, handled Michael Thomas for the most part. Um, where the team handled Michael Thomas. Yeah. 70 yards for Michael Thomas is far and away better than I expected. But you take away that one moment for Xavier Rhodes, and he was pretty phenomenal throughout that game. The one yeah. deep pass that the he Deontay allowed. The Deontay Harris play. Right. And that was, you know, a, a bit of a creative play call. You know, it's still baffling <laughs> how quickly he was able to spin around uh, Xavier Rhodes on that play, and he just yeah. completely lost himself. You know, like if you saw the uh, – 
the dot the dot replay on the field. Did you see this thing on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. where like they show like the position numbers and then they show where they're going on the field as it goes. And <laughs> Rhodes is like it's trailing him perfectly for like fifteen yards and then he just spins out completely left of the screen yeah. and has to come back all the way over. And then he starts yelling at Harrison Smith. But that's all beside the point. Yeah. My point being here is that Xavier Rhodes stepped up in a pretty big way. And the defense as a whole, you know, behind that pass rush was as good as we've seen it all year. Yeah, I, I, I think the, what really um, won this game, I guess, defensively for the Vikings was that wrinkle where. So the going into the game, the, you know, I think we talked about this quite a bit on the preview show was the the tackles for the Saints. Right. Between Ramchick. Armstead and Armchick and Ramchick, uh, two Pro Bowl caliber guys at the least, right? Two studs. And that matchup we talked about, Griffin and Hunter, like we thought they'd get home, but we kind of thought that was the matchup to watch when what happened was the Vikings would put Griffin and Hunter inside against their weaker players, Andrews Pete. Um, inside there specifically was one of them for I think he actually did get hurt in that yep. game. Yep. But, uh, but they attacked the weaker part of that pass protection unit with their best players. And they also, the guys talked a lot about in the post game about how Breeze likes to kind of step up or stay there kind of uh, higher up in the pocket and uh move and step up you know vertically down the field with this when you know stepping up in the pocket and he wasn't able to do that with Hunter and Griffin right in front of him so that created a lot of sacks that created hurried throws that created the fumble uh with four minutes left in the game and created probably the interception to a degree as well that he threw to Anthony Harris so Uh, Breeze was never comfortable in this game. I mean, he completed 26 of 33 passes, but uh, so many of those, if not really all of them, were kind of under 10 or under 5 air yards. A lot of that checked down underneath stuff. Uh, he the, the, the passing game was never a threat. The Saints' passing game was never a threat. Their biggest threat really was Taysom Hill doing really weird things, which I, I remember on the show I kind of was – I just made the point like he's super average at everything, and I think he is, but he – I mean, he his, still is – Based off of his performance, it's just that he's able to do a lot of things. He, he does literally every single football skill at an average level, which is super unique. But <laughs> the, th- the throw, by the way? It wasn't a good throw. It was not a good throw. Thank it you. Was it was not. a terrible it was throw. Yeah, it was awful. smoked Rhodes so bad that it could float in the air for an extra He did seconds. a fair catch. Yeah. Like It was like he stood up there and just caught it like that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. That was not a – that was not a like, – that is that is a testament to his flexibility, not his talent. Let's just get that straight. Taysom Hill is a very flexible player, but as yeah. far as overall talent, like he's just – he's fine. He is. Fine. And that's what it is. I, I just <laughs> I hate like the fact that he was the most dangerous player on the field for the Saints. Like Michael Thomas was very quiet, all things considered, uh, relative to his season. Jared Cook was a much you know smaller threat than I thought – I mean – he was not much of a threat compared to what you know he had been the past few games against other opponents. Alvin Kamara had his typical like three yards a catch average. Uh, so it, Taysom Hill was the guy to worry about, I guess. And you know if he was on the field more, I might we might have a different result. But the Vikings, you know, they held Drew Brees in check, and that's probably you know not putting not emphasizing it enough. He was really really shut down uh, due to that pass rush, due to. Um, Guys like you know road stepping up, playing pretty well outside of that that big completion. Day Hill in the slot, Kendricks and Barr flying all over the place, uh, keeping Kamara at bay. That was a, defense performance was uh, impeccable by Mike Zimmer. Uh, maybe his best performance in terms of the coaching game planning, uh, really since I want to say that Packers game, uh, twenty fifteen to win the NFC North. That's bold, but I mean it, it's hard to. It, it's hard to deny that given the, the moment and the way that this offense played all of December. I mean, we mentioned in the pregame show. Yeah, that- I mean, I'm, I'm talking like big games, like playoff implications on the line. Like, obviously, in 2017, he had a bunch of those. Right. Uh, the Rams game in mind. But, like, in terms of, you know, win or go home type games, there has been some questions about Mike Zimmer and how, you know, that defense plays. Like, 2016, their playoff hopes ended and they gave up 40 points to the Packers and then 35 to the Colts. Like, 2017 obviously the Eagles game uh so there was some questions there and he came through huge in this one uh you know against who it Sean Payton who is perceived to be one of the best if not the best offensive minds in football absolutely so you can just look at the target spread here and you can see kind of how impressive like just looking at these numbers can tell you what type of game this team had in coverage you know Michael Thomas only got eight targets I believe he was Mm -hmm. averaging like 12 or 13 this season per game 
So he wasn't even open for a lot of the time, and that's a testament to just the secondary as a whole. Uh, Rhodes was the one that will get the numbers for it, uh, the kind of like the recognition, I suppose. But it was largely a team effort. It was just, I think, what was it that Rhodes got three of the targets? Three targets, times? three targets, two catches, twenty yards. Okay. Um, yeah. So the one, I mean, the one incompletion that was to Michael Thomas was because Rhodes broke it up. Yeah. Uh, that was on a third down, I believe. That was kind of kind of in a crucial spot there in the second half, and Thomas or uh, Rhodes made that play. So, um, you know, we've ragged on Rhodes quite a bit. I think everyone the has. fan base in general has. Yeah. A lot of people have because he's kind of fallen from that all pro status to, you know, a guy that gets targeted quite a bit on purpose by other teams. And to the to his credit, he stepped up in a big way and held the most prolific receiver to 70 yards. Um, in a really big spot so that's I mean I guess it, again it wasn't all him but when he was the guy covering Michael Thomas it didn't seem like Breeze was comfortable throwing that way and a large reason for, for that is Xavier Rhodes absolutely so you get this you get this excellent coverage in the back end um, you know Rhodes Sadeo who we've mentioned a couple of times uh, you get this solid pass rush up the middle and you got linebackers that are moving sideline to sideline at you know as well as anyone in the NFL and you've got a recipe for success I mean it just it, it sounds so simple in theory, and why couldn't the Vikings do this more this season to give us a little bit more confidence heading into this matchup? That would have been nice, but ultimately, I mean, this comes down to the Vikings being very well prepared for this matchup, too. Like, Harrison Smith was jumping on so many things throughout this game. Just his instincts were out the roof, whether it was making a ta- coming up and making a tackle yep. or being in the right position to, you know, take away a throw, period. Um like some, it's, sometimes it's not even about the incompletions, just about the fact that they don't even dare throw the ball there, because he's not like the the coverage is too good, or you know you're afraid of a guy like Harrison Smith turning it around on you. I mean, mm-hmm. Breeze is a guy that is has you know precision accuracy. He's very smart with where he's delivering the football, and straight up, a lot of the options just weren't there. And the guys that they thought they were going to have you know access to throughout the game were covered up by guys playing better than they really have in their entire career. Yeah. I mean, can you think Can you think of a moment where Sandejo was better in his entire career as a Viking? I mean, the, the one instance that comes to mind really is the Saints, the other Saints playoff game from a couple years ago. That was That's the one that comes to mind because that's before Anthony Harris was kind of a regular starter and Sandejo was the other guy. But He was uh, consistently excellent throughout this entire game yeah. at a position that he had never started at in his career. I mean, that's just... I mean, that's as as a known Sendejo hater. I, I just I, I, you tipped your cap to that type of moment because he just shuts you up. I mean, when he came back to the Vikings, I didn't want him. I was pissed. I thought I I had the same reaction as all of you guys, you know, thinking that he was going to come hurt one of our players now. And that, comes, that isn't out of the realm of possibilities yet, it, right? It's, that's fair, yeah. And when I saw him line up over, you know, the head of a slot receiver, I was like, oh, this is just a very questionable Mike Zimmer decision. And he does have him every once in a while. So, I, I mean, he and I, I'm huge. sure there, you know, I, I haven't watched all 22 or anything, but I'm sure there's more that goes into it. I'm sure you had Kendricks shading towards sure. Sandejo a little bit. You had, you know, I'm sure he had, he had help along the way there. But really the flaws defensively in this game, the Taysom Hill touchdown where Smith was kind of on an island between Kamara and Taysom Hill there on that sideline. Uh, you had really the garbage time kind of soft defense that I that is sort of a pet right. peeve for me where me they're too. not aggressive and they they worry way too much about getting beat deep. Um, that I don't like that, but I mean all in all, like in terms of like this defense performance and the way the Vikings have contained Breeze, contained Sean Payton the past few times, I kind of expected something like this in terms of the total output for the Saints offense. Um, you know, I, my thing was I didn't think the Vikings would be able to keep, like, I just was I was worried about the Vikings offense, and they came through and it mattered. And so, to me, that's the difference in the game, um, was the Vikings offense was, was Kirk Cousins making the key throws, Dalvin Cook uh, putting up enough explosive runs early on in the game, and then, uh, you know, the Vikings are overcoming that early turnover that, and a lot of, maybe in the past, the, the fumble by Thielen would have doomed them. In 2018, it, it did doom them. We literally saw that happen. <laughs> uh, we saw a Thielen fumble return deep in Vikings territory doom the team, and this year they were able to overcome it. Uh, I hope you guys saw the most ridiculous stat ever, by the way. Um, the fumble thing? <laughs> yeah. The last, <laughs> the last three teams to fumble on their opening possession uh, ultimately won the Super Bowl. Most recently, the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles. So... 
Vikings are Bumbling on the good. they're yeah they're on their way to the Super Bowl here. That uh, that stat matters a lot. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about how the perspective on the on the Vikings has changed as a result of this game. Obviously, the most important key factor here, they're still playing in the game next week, so that's uh, that does help the skull scale a little bit. Uh, last week, both of us were a little bit low on this team. I believe I dropped mine down all the way to six and a half, and I think you were all at six or something in that nit- something in that matter, uh, because neither of us really saw a Super Bowl as being possible for this Vikings team. Uh, given the circumstances and given the overall talent on the roster and given the way that they had performed this year. So, coming off of, you know, one of the biggest wins in recent Vikings history, at least within the last decade or so, a huge upset victory, a game that you would have won quite a bit of money had you bit the Vikings' money line, which we didn't do because we didn't have the foresight. We discussed that on the preview show, we too. Did. It was eight and a half spread, and it was, what, like 350 or 345 or something yeah, on the money line? just to put 10 bucks, yeah. Yeah, or 100 yeah. bucks, whatever you want. Uh, anyways, uh, I assume your perspective has changed. My perspective has certainly changed. Then we'll check in with anyone yeah. that had responded on Twitter. So what is your school scale standing at following this victory? Yeah, uh, this is a big jump. I'm going two full points to eight here. And that's largely – so part of this is just because of how I feel about the 49ers. Part of it is you know, the Vikings showing up in a playoff game that I didn't expect them to, winning in a hostile environment. It's, I mean, two point jump is significant, I think. Um, and, you know, I did not, I, going into this week, I didn't think one playoff win is possible. And now, obviously, this is going to happen when you get the surprise upset and you start getting nostalgic about your team and you start investing more emotions in your team, which we did, we all got punished for uh, in, a couple years ago. But, and probably will again pretty soon. Probably. But um, the thing, like, the San Francisco's defense is obviously very scary, but I'm not scared of Jimmy G at all. And right. like the Vikings have, re- and in recent memory, have shut him down quite a bit. I mean, season opener of 2018, same coach, same quarterback. They didn't do a whole lot of damage, and it seems like you know this defense has been playing very, very well lately. The Vikings defense. This goes it back into the regular season. You had right. the turnovers against the Chargers. You had. You know, the Packers didn't do anything special against them. Uh, you can go back quite a bit there, really, to, uh, I guess, the Seattle game. Ever since then, uh, the Vikings defense has been, you know, a really, really good unit and tough to score on. Uh, so if the Vikings offense can put up another performance similar to that where they're efficient passing the ball, they make the, they convert on third down, Dalvin is, you know, rush, put, creating explosive plays at a higher rate, they can win this game. And I didn't say that about last week. So I'm going to go... Uh, with an A tier, and it's wild that we're even discussing this game, <laughs> considering how kind of the Vikings limped into the playoffs. But um, it, it's yeah, I'm I, I the fact that really the big mover here is just that Kirk Cousins made the key throws, showed up in a big game, and now I believe the offense can do enough to beat the number one team in the NFC. So the score scale is all about perspective in terms of the Super Bowl, right? So I'm definitely more confident that the Vikings can win the Super Bowl now because they're still playing, which is an important factor, and that just inherently is going to raise the score scale. The second factor for me that's really important is just the fact that they weren't supposed to be playing at all, period. Like, that that game was supposed to be a blowout. Everyone said it was going to be. I mean, it, it wasn't just the national people either. It was the local media. It was everyone. It was us. It was probably most of you guys listening to this. We all thought the season was going to be over. And so that's just – that part in itself is going to raise the skull scale for me. So I'm going to jump up to an 8 as well. I'm not going to go too much higher for a couple of reasons. One being, like you said, the 49ers this week. This is the number one seed in the NFC for a reason. They're a really good football team, and the Vikings have to play them on the road. So they're obviously not going to be favored in this game either. Do uh, you think about the fact then that if they were to win this game, the most likely opponent that they'll see is Green Bay? Potent- oh, it's, I guess it's not necessarily it's, most it's likely, a, but the, the other teams are owing. I mean, the Vikings are owing three against the other teams. This okay, year, so right. So Seattle and yeah. Green Bay being the two teams remaining, whether it's Lambeau Field or CenturyLink Field in Seattle, it's not exactly a hospitable place to play for the Vikings. So that's the situation that they're facing heading into this matchup here and heading into the rest of the postseason, which. I'm sorry, like, I'm still not 
super optimistic that the Vikings can truly make a run out of this. I'm thrilled about the victory. I think that that you know this team played as well as they really can. I, I'm thrilled for Kirk Cousins and the way that he performed and the, you know shutting everyone up to a degree. But when you had when you have to go to Levi Stadium in San Francisco following this victory and you know I know that they've already made an On effort. a short week too. Right, it's a short week. That's kind of that's you're getting screwed over a little bit there and too. So. I want to mention this too, the fact that the last time they had an emotional victory, and I know that they already mentioned that they went over this in the locker room, but the last time they had an emotional victory, the last, the following week was not good, and that was the 2017 NFC Championship, mm-hmm. of course. So I know that they're already preparing for that, and I saw Harrison Smith took you know a leadership role in making sure that everyone was kind of like toning it down a little bit on this overall celebration of this game. It's just, I think that we're, as Vikings fans, and maybe this is just because I've been a Vikings fan for as long as I can remember, I just, I'm ready for that fall. I, I, I'm seeing it. it <laughs> I'm ready for the fall, yeah. Yeah, it's just. It, I mean, it's, I am too. I mean, we're, we're, we're emotionally prepared for it, I think. We're setting, I'm, I think that the Vikings are setting us up, like, really nicely here. Like, they're finessing it a little bit, where, you know, you get the nice victory over New Orleans, and now, I, I can't remember who tweeted this, but I, it was someone from The Athletic tweeted someone in the comment section of their article saying, uh, the comment read, I was a high, I thought there, I thought the Vikings were going to lose for sure last week. Now I 100% think they're going to beat San Francisco. I'm, I'm doing this to myself. That's exactly how I feel, you yeah. know, because I, there was no shot that I thought the Vikings were going to win last week. And now this week I, I'm kind of, I could talk myself into it and maybe I will when we, by the time we get to Thursday's show here, but right now I just can't be confident that they get past San Francisco. I'm just happy that about what that win says for this team, what it says for the coach, um, and just overall the way that they played. They are where they were supposed to be now, right? Yeah, yeah they're in the divisional. They're in the divisional round of the playoffs, and now if they can get to the NFC Championship, that will in the in the minds of many Vikings fans who have complained about Kirk Cousins, getting to the NFC Championship will make the the contract worth worth it essentially. Yeah. So he's one game I mean, away yeah, from that. That's kind of what it boils down to for. You get a quarter, but you get a new quarterback coming off right. of an NFC Championship game appearance. You tend to think, okay, you're supposed he's to go get back, back there here. at the right. least, right? That's kind of the the bar, and it hasn't been met. And obviously, there's other reasons that go into that. It's sure. not just the quarterback. There's, uh, you know, the defense is certainly not what it was in 2017. But um, it, it, I'm with you in that it kind of feels like, you know, okay, here was the the big moment of the season. You know, the celebration moment. Right. Now it it part of me. As a fan, now that I really hope the players don't feel this way, but part of me as a fan is kind of like, all right, well, that's I'm, I'm good now. Like I'm, that's that's enough for me. Whereas like <laughs> like the rest is kind of more than I, I expected. We're you playing know? with like, house you, money. We're playing with well, house yeah, money right yeah, now. Because you set expectations, and I, I was like, okay, one playoff win coming into the season, like that would be that's right. about what I would expect, right? And so after this, it's kind of like anything else would be great. Uh, let's just hope the players aren't thinking the same thing because that then we'll get uh, Philly. 38 to seven all over again, but right. um, it's, it's certainly a big and unexpected win that I didn't think this team had in it. And that fact that they do, and they showed it is why I jumped up two points in, on my school scale. Well, just, and on top of the fact that, you know, you only have to win one fewer game now, you know, the Vikings are that much closer to the Super Bowl by winning last week against the saints. Yeah. And they do have a real opportunity here against San Francisco. Now, as of this recording, am I confident in it? Not really. No, I, I don't think I'm perspiring too much confidence right now about this, you know, this impending matchup here with San Francisco. But the point being here is that this team really, you know, put something together that I don't think a lot of us thought was possible given what we saw during the regular season. The defense mm-hmm. played as well as it could. You got a complimentary performance from the offense. And Dan Bailey made his kicks. We got, like, yeah. every, everything kind of just came together. The only way that, you know, the only way the Vikings were going to win this game is if everything came together as it did, and it did. And to expect a replicate performance this weekend against San Francisco might be, you know... I can assure you right now the offense will not be as efficient right I, I feel so that you're gonna way need too. you're gonna need an, an uh you know the defense for sure to play as well if not better against jimmy g and kyle shanahan which i do think is possible uh i think the defense has that in them but we'll get to that on the show and when we talk about the niners and i don't i mean the niners are, are weird because 
for the longest time this season, I just didn't buy into him. You know, I stand and, with uh, you there. Yeah, I think we now, were at like I'm, week nine was when we yeah, were like, all I, right. My, my take going into the postseason was the Saints are the scariest team in the NFC, and I think I didn't. I just didn't think it was that close. Their offense is freaking rolling. Like that defense is still formidable in New Orleans, and now all of a sudden they're out of it. And the Saint or in the 49ers seemingly, if you mean Niners fans right now, are probably loving this. They get Kirk Cousins coming into town in the playoff game. They get a, the Vikings have a short week this week, yep. and then they just have to beat the sixth seed, and then they're they're in the NFC Championship game hosting uh, either an injured Seattle team or a really non-impressive Packers team that. Is right. squeaking by bad teams all season, and they beat at home by thirty this year. So the Niners are loving this, and I hope. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is this. I I don't know. I, part of me is I'm trying not to get too uh, optimistic about it because that's that's when you're, you're you really get hurt <laughs> with this team with this franchise. So let me ask. Let me ask you this: Do are the Vikings the most talented team remaining, not named the 49ers in the NFC playoff picture right now? Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's, They're certainly more talented than the Seahawks right now, especially with all their injuries. Certainly more talented, I think, than the Packers, uh, which is, I mean, I, I, if, if people here see this, they're going to crucify me for saying that because the Vikings are 0-2 against the Packers this year. But um, the Vikings have lost both of those games because Kirk Cousins played his two – I'm not even exaggerating this – his two worst games as a professional – against right. the Packers season. They just happened to both fall against Packers. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm with you that in terms of talent, Niners and Vikings are the most talented rosters left in the NFC. Uh, I actually think the Cowboys are probably the most talented roster in the NFC. But they're not in the playoffs. <laughs> so I guess you can make an argument then that the Vikings are, you know, one of the most dangerous teams remaining. And if you look just, you know, throughout recent history of wild card teams, teams that actually, you know, go deep into the postseason the Vikings do kind of have that composition like it I can yeah. talk myself into the way that this roster is and kind of what they need in order to succeed and see you know shades I mean, of the yeah. Giants and, and shades of you know the Ravens, the Ravens the Steelers and, back in the I think they were a six seed in 2008 uh but it's just like it's if you are uh predicated on defense Right. And you have a capable quarterback, an offense that can put up points if it's absolutely necessary, which and a horse you know, or Vikings two in the backfield have the ability to. Right, and then you know it's the running back bell cow that can carry the load for you. You know, there that, is the point that I'm saying is that like it, there is like reasonable like fan dreams can be born from this performance here. Because you can see so many traits of this team in teams who have done it in the past. Like, there is historical precedent to suggest that the Vikings, eh, maybe they could squeak one out here in San Francisco. I mean, it, it's a scary thought, and I'm not ready to indulge just yet this week. I'm sure yeah. by the time we get to Thursday that I'll be a little bit more amped up about this game and feeling a little bit more confident and kind of drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. But at this point in the week, it's just it, it's it's tough to – look past this matchup and say that they really have a chance, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just very, it's very fun to even be in this position and still talking about a matchup for the Vikings. And just by the way, it was against the saints too, which just makes it feel that much better. I think for a lot of us, you know, you look at that, you look at this trilogy of games here and it starts with obviously the, the game in 2009, the NFC championship that ends with Tracy Porter and the bounty gate and all the things that went into that game. You, you you have to think about, are the Saints cursed now against the Vikings because of the way that these last two games have panned it's out? It's certainly possible. They, they certainly it, deserve I think it. what many would say is that it's karma for it, it is karma. bounty gate. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is karma. <laughs> it, it is. It's perfect. So, uh, you know, like, like Drew said before, we'll – and uh, go a little bit deeper into uh, the strengths and weaknesses of the San Francisco matchup and, you know, where the Vikings might be able to find um, some issues with that team and, you know, expose some weaknesses and um, the vice versa of that um, later on this week. Um, As far as this game goes, you know, outstanding performance as a whole. You finally get your your money um, with Kirk. And I think everyone just – it's just nice to have another victory Monday this week, and especially mm-hmm. considering that very few of us were expecting it. And for those of you that were right. expecting it, congratulations to you. Hats off. It doesn't make you more of a fan. Though. It doesn't make you smart either. 
No, it might. <laughs> it's instrument. Uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. We got two uh, school school responses that I want to highlight here. Let's do that. One is just like, one's really short, one's pretty long. So like, meh. Uh, this is from Evan T. Creed at the X-Ray Style. He says he's all about eight right now. So I think that's, I'm eight on the school scale and I'm eight like Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Yep. Yeah, lit it up, which, I mean, I'm I, I'm okay talking about Kirk Cousins a little bit longer uh, with that performance. That was, like, the the throw where he was getting hit literally as he released it. I think there's a great image, by the way, of, and now this is going to be bad radio because I'm trying to explain a picture, but there's a picture of, as Kirk let it go, I think it was Hendrickson, that D-end for the Saints, is like, got his, hand, his finger in the air, like, thinking, okay, well, he, he got hit as he throw. This is probably floated in the air. It's going to be picked looking down the field and then you can see as the video plays out Thielen falls under the ball and Lattimore is completely lost uh, but that that throw the other throw to Thielen obviously in overtime uh, and then the Rudolph touchdown throw which was a good throw by the way a lot of it obviously was Rudolph out muscling the DB but uh, you got to put that ball in the right spot and he did so right. that's uh, again like you said you, you had to you had to feel uh, you had to feel good for, for Kirk there to finally get that maybe get the monkey off his back a little bit uh, and you could tell the team too. I mean, I don't, I, obviously this is from the team perspective, but you see that right. video of the locker room, and you see right. how happy the team is for Kirk. And uh, it's clear they like this guy, and they uh, they feel a little bit responsible, so to speak, for that record and in the in the prime time and the big games. And you know, obviously it is a team game, and uh, I, I personally don't like the QB wins record thing, but the team kind of felt responsible for it. And you said you heard Rudolph say it a bunch of times that you know they're really happy for Kurt for him to get this win and for that perception to maybe ease up a little bit so I'm I'm with uh, Evan here that uh you know this it, it feels like it's kind of Kirk's moment here love his career so far this but is his again, moment this is definitely his that, yeah moment. but I mean you I think you said earlier it's the apex of his career but let's just hope like it's not because the trajectory is still trending yeah, up yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I mean you, you think about I loved what he said and for those of you that haven't watched yet Check out his post-game interview, especially where he's talking about how when you're an NFL player, you're trying to reach different mountains, and every time you get to the top of it, you mm-hmm. just see another mountain off in the distance, and you have to fight for that. Um, and he was very level-headed about this win. It wasn't like – I'm sure he was excited and thrilled like just like any of us. I mean, he was screaming and yelling about it, but he was also thinking about the fact that, you know, yes, he's conquered this mountain, and maybe the last one was winning, you know – a big game in the regular season. And now he's got his first postseason win. Well, now he's thinking, all right, well, why not get a Super Bowl? You know, he's thinking, he's got a forward thinking mindset, which I don't think, you know, we can look back on it in 2017. I'm not sure if this team had that forward thinking mindset. So it's definitely nice to see that this team as a whole, and it starts with Kirk. You know, I, I'm just very happy to see for a guy. This guy just deserves it so much. I'm sorry. Like we, we throw so much shade his direction because of how much money he makes. I mean, he has to answer to all of these credits, which a lot of the stories are just narratives created by people like us and people like the media. Yeah. It's really unfair. Like a lot of it is very unfair criticism of a guy who has TV wins is just not fair. It's it's, it's, it's really not. not. There's too much context involved, but it's, you get a record and he's, he was playing and, for the Washington organization for so long, like, come on, how fair is that? You know, it's not, and it's just, it, it's just great to see a guy like him uh, finally get that moment. And, you know, I think he, we won't go into this now, but this is going to be a thing that his agent talks about next time. Oh yeah. When he's negotiating yeah. a contract and right. We'll talk about the contract, an early contract extension possibility, perhaps the soft season. But uh, the last one I want to get to here is uh, from at Mr. Minnesota. Now he, uh, now, it, this is kind of interesting because it is part of me is how I, this is how I feel about this team and that like you doubt the team a little bit too much to where like you're hedging your emotions by betting <laughs> on the other team, right? So he goes, I put $100 on the Saints to cover minus eight and I'll put $100 down on the Niners to cover minus seven. So he's kind of hedging his he's emotions. He's doing the emotional like, hedge. Well, if, I, if my team loses, I'm still going to get paid for it. Um but he says, I ride and die with this team, but I don't have faith they can do this all over again and pull off the big upset. For me, largely depends on the injury report. He says, a 5 out of 10 uh, for this week's game against the Niners. Prove me wrong. 
again. So which... he feels a lot like I do, kind of, yeah. where it's like you're you're on this emotional high, and I'm ready to ride this out with you guys for as long as you want this week, by the way, because it's, it's, I feel great today knowing that the Vikings <laughs> won. I'm ready to ride this out, but when we get to Saturday, I'm going to be the same guy that was sitting on his floor, you know, lean, like shaking back and forth, trying to keep my heart sweating. rate steady. Yeah, sweating. Exactly. <laughs> I mean... I feel I, I really feel you on this response because that's exactly where I'm at. Like I feel great, but it's just like I know that just another one of these emotionally devastating moments is on the horizon. I'm just hoping that we can push it back to next season. We can get through this entire year. Well, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that's my I mean, one wish as a fan. And yeah, obviously that's the wish for every single year. But I mean, it's like I, know, I think it, saying, it's, like, it's a weird it's a weird feeling because as as a fan base, at least personally too, like I. I just never considered the Super Bowl this year. Like I, I just, I didn't. Um, especially going into the playoffs, like after that Packers loss, I was like, well, okay, like this team doesn't have it in them, you know. Yeah. And now suddenly they go into New Orleans to beat, by the way, the number one DVOA team in football. Uh, so they go into New Orleans, went on the road, and right, right, <laughs> in the toughest environment in football, perhaps they go in and win. And suddenly now, I, this 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 vision is alive of a Super Bowl that I didn't think it was possible for the last few weeks. Okay, and let it's... me let, before you before you say any more on that topic. Let me ask you this, and we'll close out this the show with this question: Is it fair to start talking about the Vikings' potential to win a Super Bowl now, or do we have to wait until next week? No, I mean it, it, the responsible thing to do would be to wait until <laughs> next week. Uh, but it, I understand. From the fans' perspective, that if you want to get into that, it's fine because you just beat what I thought was the most dangerous team in the NFC on the road. A Super so Bowl pick. In theory, you know, if you if you beat the Saints on the road, you absolutely can go into uh, San Francisco and beat the Niners. So, it, it, however you want to handle it is fine. I would proceed with <laughs> with cautious optimism. But yeah. uh, you know, you can do whatever you want. It's your fandom. That's fine. You're you're taking the words out of my mouth. Proceed with caution. I love that. That's great. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, We appreciate the responses to the school scale. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, As always, you can find us on the Daily Norseman. Subscribe on Twitter if you haven't done so already. Uh, You can check the videos out on YouTube if you prefer to watch us. And as always, if you don't like listening to our show, make sure to check out what uh, what else the Climb the Pocket Network has cooking. Uh, If you don't like Drew and I, I'm sure that there's some personality within the five to ten people. If you don't like us and you're listening at this point in the show, then there's probably something wrong. Yeah, probably something wrong with us for sure. We know that, but probably something wrong with you as well uh, for continuing to listen to something that you hate. Although, (laughs) there are people that do that. People with Mike Frances- uh, Francesa out in uh, New York. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, True. anyways, thanks for listening, folks, and uh, we will come back later on this week to talk to you about this uh, this matchup in more detail and uh, break it down piece by piece. So, until then, Skull Vikings, enjoy the victory, and we'll catch you later on this week. Oh.